What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Welcome back, film fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me across the internet, as always, Drew Douglas. So we're both a little tired today. It's something that uh, we were dragging a little bit. We're trying to find the energy. Uh, How are you doing today, Drew? Like you said, I am exhausted. It's a bizarre story you have to go along with while you're exhausted. In, for context, you need to know that within the last couple of months, my wife and I moved from Southwest Missouri to East Tennessee. And while we are kind of getting our bearings, our lay of the land, and we're getting, uh, you know, kind of house shopping at the moment, we're living in an apartment complex. And just after three this morning, we were startled awake. One of our dogs losing his mind at the front door. So we, we were just like jerked awake. I'm taking my earplugs out. And I'm like asking my wife, what is, what's going on? And she's like, oh, there's something, there's something, you know, happening at the front door or, in, you know, in the little hallway area of this, the, the apartment. So I go, I'm, we're kind of moving our way into the living room, walking down the hallway. And I'm thinking, well, it's probably a neighbor. This is just after three in the morning. It's, it's probably someone coming home. Maybe they bumped into the wall or something. And it just sounds like it's at our front door. And we're walking down the hallway and pounding, boom, 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 on our front door. I'm like, okay, that's clearly our front door. It's not somebody walking into a different unit. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm kind of wondering, maybe there's a fire. Maybe a fire broke out and someone's <laughs> trying to warn us. And that's around the time that I heard a man yell out, this is Knox County Police, open up. And I'm like, I'm like, what in the heck is going on? And I'm only in my boxers. I have my <laughs> retainer in. I'm not wearing any glasses, so I'm blind. And I look through the people. I see at least three police officers. And then we are on the bottom level. So you have to go downstairs to get to our unit. I see at least one officer in the stairwell. I'm like, this is insanity. So my wife's getting the dog, like moving the dogs into the next room. I kind of crack open the door and, and the officer's like, is there a, uh, he's at, he asked for somebody for the sake of the story. I'll just call him Joe. He's like, is Joe here? And I'm like, no, my wife and I live here. We just moved in, uh, you know, like in the last couple months and he's just like, okay. And they just like kind of start leaving. I'm like, this is the weirdest <laughs> imaginable. And I'm like, the name sounds familiar. We keep getting mail for this person. And they're like, oh, okay. And they just leave. This morning after we woke up, I asked my wife, I was like, that actually happened. Like, was this a real thing? She's like, yeah, that happened. So we're honestly a little on edge because they just wandered off. The the officers just left casually. And I'm like, is this going to happen again tonight? Is it going to happen again later this week? Like, what do we have to do to make sure this doesn't happen again? Because whoever you're looking for doesn't live here. 
That's so crazy, though, that you ended up having not only the police showing up at your door and nonchalantly walking off like that, but you've been getting mail. It makes me wonder if the person, this Joe, in which you're getting mail, if this Joe claims to be living there just to elude the police. Well, hopefully it doesn't happen again, because not only is that really weird, you need some sleep. You need need to get some R&R. Uh, Other than that, everything's been just peachy. (laughs) That's good. Well, you know, I don't have a story as crazy as that, and I don't think there's anything that can really compete with that. But we will be talking about a bonkers story, The Suicide Squad, or as I keep just referencing it as James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. I mean, they might as well have just come out and said it just like Zack Snyder's Justice League, but... We're going to be talking about the Suicide Squad. I will say the first night I I saw this, right before we started recording, we were talking about this, but I saw this movie twice, both times in theaters. The first time, I did not get a lot of sleep that night. The first night I watched this. And uh, I was trying to go to sleep early those uh, that night and then the next night because of, of a major bike ride that I had. And I, uh, I had a lot on my mind after watching The Suicide Squad. So I've been very hesitant about reaching out and asking what you think about this. This is obviously one of the biggest movies to release this summer. Uh, I would argue it may be WB's biggest movie uh, for sure, like the largest DCEU movie. And is it? Would, wouldn't Snyder, Snyder's long-awaited Justice League be the biggest one? What do you think overall? I because obviously this is theaters and on HBO Max, but this is like a planned DCEU release, whereas the Snyder Cut is more of a I'm not gonna say an unplanned because obviously Walter Hamada in charge of DC or or over at Warner Brothers, he was able to allow this but or allow that movie to happen and come out, but at the same time, this is something that's kind of been in the works, whereas the Zack Snyder thing was kind of like more of an underground. For a select group of people, the long-awaited release of Zack Snyder's Justice League was the equivalent of the second coming of Christ. Oh, and I'm I, I'm not even like exaggerating. This this was something planned. Um, the first one was a massive success, but I don't think this is as hyped up in terms of excitement as the marketing might lead you to believe. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a lot there's a lot of a lot to chew on with this, but it really makes you wonder the absence and the impacts of the ass, a- absence of someone like a Will Smith or even I mean we like to talk about how wacky he is, but Jared Leto <laughs> and <laughs> no, he's not a draw. <laughs> He's an inter- he's entertaining for us, but no, he's not selling tickets. Speaking of wacky, let's go ahead and dive into the Suicide Squad. It's okay, I'm not okay. Each member is chosen for his or her own completely unique set of abilities. I need to feel the raindrops on my head, on my head. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. Had to go number two. Good to know. Now, movie stat time. This is the 10th film in the DC Extended Universe. It was written and directed by James Gunn, probably best known for doing Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, this one is about a task force of convicts sent to destroy evidence of a giant alien, a.k.a. Starro the Conqueror. The Suicide Squad is a sequel to David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Uh, several faces from that movie also appeared in this one, including Margot Robbie, Joel Kinnaman, and Viola Davis. Newcomers include Idris Elba, John Cena, and Peter Capaldi. Uh, the movie's development is semi-interesting. Ayer was going to do the sequel. He left to do Gotham City Sirens, which is a movie that never actually happened. It was canned. Uh, Gavin O'Connor briefly stepped in uh, to write and direct the project. He's known for movies like Warrior, The Accountant, and The Way Back with Ben Affleck. He left because his story treatment for The Suicide Squad was identical to Birds of Prey, which I don't fully understand how it could be a Suicide Squad movie and then be identical to what ended up being Birds of Prey. (laughs) James Gunn was eventually hired after he was briefly fired by Marvel after some old tweets resurfaced, which were deemed offensive. Uh, Marvel eventually rehired him, and he'll start work on a third Guardians movie later this year. You've seen it once. Do you rewatch mm-hmm. the old one before you? Yeah, I actually last night ended up putting it on, and I got about halfway through uh, the movie. I have rewatched it. Um, one other time since seeing it in theaters. It was weird because my initial reaction in theater was, yeah, it's okay. Like, that's it. There are parts I liked about it. I have to say that on rewatch, it was very interesting because obviously knowing things that are coming up, um, it also made me see things a little differently with having seen James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Now, you ended up rewatching the entire Suicide Squad, David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Was it before or after you watched Guns, The Suicide Squad? Yeah, I watched it about a week before. I've seen it three times now, and weirdly enough, on Letterboxd, each time I log it, I actually give it a higher rating than the previous <laughs> time. It's not a good movie. It's not as bad as some people make it out to be. It is uh, infamous because Ayer had a cut, and they released the Comic-Con trailer for it and everyone lost their minds (laughs) and WB decided, I guess they had screened Ayer's version and, and people didn't like it. So they had the company that built that trailer, put it together. They had them edit their own version of Ayer's film that was screened. It didn't do well either. And what they did was apparently mix the two together. And I guess what WB did with this one, they hired gun and they said, listen, Watch the movie, the 2016 one. Take what you like, discard the rest. Right now, this movie sits at 91% on the almighty Rotten Tomatoes. It's been earning a lot of praise from critics. How much of an improvement is it over the first one, though? After I watched this the first time, The Suicide Squad, I thought it's a it's a quality film. Um, it's, a, it's a quality film. I kept hearing the term grindhouse, but after seeing it the second time, I thought... That's actually a good way of calling this movie. It's a, I would say, a traditional grindhouse quality film with a big budget. Um, I think where this really succeeds in improvement, you've got a script and characters, characters where you end up having more um, of a uh, connection to, even though with Deadshot and Will Smith, 
I like that stuff with um, him and his daughter. And yet throughout this brand new, the Suicide Squad, you end up getting those moments where it seems like there's added weight to characters like King Shark whenever he's talking about family. And weirdly enough, every time he, when they were talking about family, I just imagine um, seeing Vin Diesel's face on King Shark's body when <laughs> he was talking about family. But with that, I mean, moments like that, it adds weight to the characters. But more than that, I would say that the where it really improves, we talk about story, we talk about characters. I would say number one for me is the camera angles and the, the cinematography in this film. To me, that was the largest improvement that there were so many shots that reminded me of like a Steven Soderbergh film. A good example is whenever they are in a club and spoilers. Yeah, hit that button because you know that we're going to talk spoilers. Uh, not necessarily a big spoiler, but about midway through the movie when we're at a nightclub, a gentleman's club, and there's a shot that we see with Bloodsport and then the camera focuses on the thinker Bloodsport and then we see Rick Flag in the background and it's doing the zooms and fo rack focuses. Things like that, I think, really add to an energy of the film. And that's where it really bumps up the quality of this film compared to the first Suicide Squad. It is a slick looking movie. Uh, both these movies are really built around um, chemistry of different characters coming together for one cause. I think Gunn really succeeds at that kind of stuff mm -hmm. as he's done with Guardians. You have all these different characters that have to work to stop the bad guy. Uh, so that's, I think, one of the better elements compared to the 2016 film. I think the characters are, you know, more obscure in this mm -hmm. one, but they somehow seem way cooler than the 2016 version. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I think Ayer has a style that he carries from film to film yeah. that has become tiresome, in my opinion, because it's literally always the same stuff. The big knock I still have on DC, they have no vision whatsoever mm -hmm. they they really almost need to start completely over it's a shame they didn't start with something like this at the very beginning what surprised you the most and this could be something that's good or bad immediately after seeing this movie the first time the most surprising part is how much i felt eh about it i know that whenever i build up my anticipation of a movie it's so hard to end up living up to that. And I, once in the fact that I disliked the movie, I disliked the characters, was uh, like offended or anything like that. It was just where there were certain things that that first viewing, um, I think it was just where you end up having such an ensemble cast. You've got this actually written pretty tightly because Going back and watching it for a second time, I, I picked up on so many things that, for example, in the very beginning is set up and it pays off in the end. And that's where I think repeat viewings will be a big draw for this movie. And for me, it went up in terms of how much I liked it the second viewing. And I will get to, there's one scene, even on second viewing, take it out. 
I'm just, I'm not a fan. I, I too have seen it twice. I saw it once in theaters, once at home. And I was pretty mixed the first time as well. I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely an improvement. I am a little surprised at how similar this is to the first one, because if you put the synopsis up side by side of both films, it's literally the exact same thing. <laughs> this is just a better, a better version of it, which goes back to this kind of reboot slash remake type thing. I would say my audience seeing it in theaters was into it for a good solid 30 to 45 minutes. I do think some of the content became tiresome because the jokes were not landing. I, mm. I think my takeaway is, did we need to push the R so hard? That's a good point um, to make because I know the first audience, and before we started recording, I mentioned this, I had, uh, my experience was flipped. Like the second view, and I was much more into it Maybe knowing what to expect out of the story, I was able to look at certain plot threads and character arcs and appreciate it more. And I did a lot. And I was really into it more the second time. And some of the jokes held up uh, or were still funny or maybe even a little bit funnier. It just changed the second time. So I liked it better the second time. The audience, though, the first time around, they were into it. And I'd say there is a part where it was dragging for them uh, right before the final act where it got very quiet, like you said, with crickets. The second time, no joke, there were three people who got up and walked out at different times and left, <laughs> literally left the theater. Yeah, they, I'm not surprised. Th there's one person who left maybe 30, 40 minutes in, gone. Uh, maybe 20, 30 minutes after that, another person gone. Maybe 20 minutes after that, the third and final person left. And uh, the and then that that crowd on the second going, there were maybe, I would say, a handful of la like just chuckles, nothing that was like uproarous, uh, just this laughter that was bellowing, you know, nothing like that. And I mean, judging from some of the reviews that I saw, you would have thought people were going to be literally doubled over laughing. <laughs> like, yeah. that's how funny this was going to be. You're right. And... I found things humorous, but I never laughed. Especially like the King Shark stuff. I I dug, but it was mainly like, I kept thinking, man, James Gunn got sliced alone to say things like nom nom. We've talked about this before. The whole marketing has been, don't get attached to any of these characters. Mm -hmm. Thoughts on Gunn actually executing what he did. Did you like it? Yeah, I did, uh, especially with the name The Suicide Squad, because that's one thing that I felt was missing from the first film where everything, I wouldn't say it felt safe, but it just seemed safer. And you never really, I never felt in fear of Deadshot's life or Harley Quinn's life. Here, I actually thought, all right, I'm, I think almost, Everyone is on the chopping block except for Harley Quinn. I never, I still once again thought, all right, everyone could end up dying except for Harley Quinn uh, and maybe Waller. Her and Waller are, are pretty safe bets. I, I dug that aspect that everyone's on the chopping block, but I wasn't entirely surprised by that. But I would say Flag's the only one that really kind of caught me off guard, even though we had talked about that. And you had mentioned that on our last podcast episode. I didn't think it was going to happen. That one's brutal. Listen, I I like that Flag died in terms of 
we have to have real stakes. Mm-hmm. And that's something missing from a lot of these films is the people that we grow to love, um, they're never going to die. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is. So it was a brutal death. I hated it. I ended up really loving Flag in this film. So seeing him die sucked. Mm. But I had to give Gunn some respect for actually having the balls to kill someone off. Did any care? I, I just mentioned that mm-hmm. killing Flag like actually kind of made me mad, even though I understand and I and I respect it. Did anyone? Did anyone's death make you make you mad whatsoever? I wouldn't say mad. The fake death out uh, or fake out death rather uh, with Peacemaker. I'm like, oh come on, that that would have been so much better if he died. And I, I mean, it didn't make me mad, but I'm like, oh, okay. I was hoping that we get more of like a, a prequel series, or maybe like we see various missions that he goes on. That would be cool. Um, but the uh, I, I would say flag. That was it. Didn't make me mad, but I'm like, oh man, that's that's rough. There was definitely some emotion behind that, and and I felt that. And then whenever King Shark fell uh and he landed on the concrete and then the guard oh, yeah, started freaking sh- yeah and then the guard starts shooting him i'm like no and i actually there is a part of me where i'm like oh no he's dead and then he like got up and moved i'm like oh thank goodness um there's a stretch in this movie where i literally thought king shark had died and then i'm yeah. and then he shows up again i'm like oh he's still alive <laughs> that was when he got thrown into the building by starro right yeah but I also love how cumbersome he is. By the way, just side note, like there's one part where he's walking and his big foot like is knocking around guns <laughs> that are just laying on the concrete. Stuff like that. <laughs> Stupid, silly, little, subtle humor made me laugh. But in terms of death, I wouldn't say anything really made me mad. Who's your uh, character MVP? And this could be someone new or old. I got to say, on first watch, I really like King Shark just because of Sly Stallone. A second watch, he was up there, but I have to give it to Polka Dot Man. Yeah, he ruled. Did you yeah. think the mother joke was funny by like the seventh time they do it? Oh my gosh. I I I, I liked it so much better on the second go around, but I'm telling you, the first time, no joke, the first viewing and the second viewing, both audience had the same reaction. And there, no joke, there's one guy in the first viewing, he audibly, out loud, when you see the rest of the Suicide Squad in there, his mom, the guy says, what the F out loud. <laughs> and it made me laugh. <laughs> That's the absurdist humor that I like. Um, I got I know I said Joel Kinnaman is like really bad in that first movie. I, I got to give him my MVP. That character ruled in this one. Mm-hmm. And like I said, his death, brutal. Yeah. Uh, who's your most surprising character? I... I also have to go with Polka Dot Man because I have to say, um, based on a lot of the behind the scenes we were seeing, it looks like the suit would be cheap. It just looked cheap to me. Mm-hmm. And in the film, and especially the second time I, I tried paying attention to it more just to see the technical aspects, it didn't really come off that way. I don't know how they pulled it off, but it, it looked not as bad as what I originally thought it would. Um but most surprising in terms of Polka Dot Man is a very subtle, reserved character overall. But then he has such weight to the team and ensemble. And he adds something that's so different. And especially I love that Gunn basically incorporated him because he looked up 
the most absurd comic book characters and came across Polka Dot Man and it's like, I'm going to, going to include him in this movie. I, it's just, there's something so purely bizarre and, and wacky about him that he surprised me in all the right ways. It's like, how do you take the dumbest character and make you care about him mm-hmm. and success? That's who I would have said too. Biggest character, disappointment. And it, it really boils down to we lose so much time on one montage. And, and even though I think Harley Quinn has the best action sequence in this movie, she also has the worst sequence <laughs> in this movie with this freaking love story, whatever the heck is going on. Um, so therefore, I think because of that reason, that, and I don't know if I can say character, but it's that arc that's just wasted, I feel, in the story. It wastes that character. And because that kind of makes me a little mad. And that's where I have to give this, that's, that's why it takes it down a notch for me, this movie overall. I got two. One, I think King Shark is completely overrated. Mm-hmm. Funny, sure, but in terms of how he plays into the plot, absolutely no bearing whatsoever. Yeah, pretty small overall. Idris Elba rules, okay? Yeah. he His character is awesome, but his character is literally nothing but Deadshot. Yeah. Down to the daughter. Like, you would just think they didn't even update the script. They said, hey, last minute, <laughs> we, we're going to, you know, we want to save Deadshot for another film in case Will wants to come back. Totally respect <laughs> that. Uh, but let's not worry about updating the script because it's he's literally the exact same character, sadly. So that's frustrating. That's disappointing. Those are my two. Uh, did you like the villains? We basically have a trio. We have the Thinker, we have Starro, and Amanda Waller, which some people claim that she's the big bad in this film. I don't agree because she's clearly working for someone else yeah. and covering someone else's butt. I do like Amanda Waller, but I kind of see her as part of the Suicide Squad herself because she's kind of like that team captain or technically flag is or was, but she's the one who's supposed to be the puppeteer. Overall, I like this trio. The thinker's a little bit of a stinker. He's just, he's okay. I like the idea that he's been doing all this stuff for 30 years and it's all coming to light. Now, I I do like, I overall, he, I don't dislike, I'll say that I'm, I'm okay with the character. I don't dislike him. Um, I do like his involvement with this. Uh, he doesn't play as large of a role as what I was thinking, like overall, in, in overall terms. Uh, I have to say, I freaking love Starro and the bizarre factor that goes along with Starro. We haven't gotten anything like this out of a comic book movie, I feel, where it's a freaking giant starfish. And- Isn't it creepy too? Like the whole thing about what Starro is doing with the little tiny like pieces of itself <laughs> face huggers basically face huggers yeah it's it honestly that that and the thing in the laboratory with all the, the experiments like that gen, it it was unnerving and it creeped me out that was awesome whenever they went down into that chapter of dirty little secrets that was freaking awesome because it felt so much like a wolfenstein or a better version of whenever Overlord, that movie that came oh, out. Yeah. Um, terrible. A, a better version of that. <laughs> terrible um, movie. 
Now you've already kind of mentioned this. Thanks for ruining question number 10, which is <laughs> at one point Harley is kidnapped and basically she's in this unconnected story involving the new president of the Corto Maltese government. You said you hated it. You would eliminate that completely, correct? Yeah, I mean, it just seems so, it just, I don't know. There, There's an aspect of, at first I thought Gunn was trying to say that Harley Quinn is not the most reliable storyteller, and so we don't know if it's real or not. I thought he was going in that direction. I would have been okay. I would have been I would have been okay if he went that direction. And during this, Harley Quinn was just fabricating this entire sequence in her mind. Now, granted, I did that could, wonder if they were going to do that. Yeah, and I kind of I will go seeing it the second time. I thought, well, maybe that's the case, and maybe it just happened is so jarring and fast whenever this pops up, then maybe that's the case. And I never got that, but um, I would I would have been more okay if they went that direction, but where they went with it, I've got one word for it and it's gross. Didn't like it. Wow. You know what? I actually kind of like it because it's so out there. I think Gunn's trying to come full circle with Ayer's version where she's so devoted to Joker and that's kind of the gross thing. Oh, but what's okay. weird is, we already got that in Birds of Prey. The whole point of that movie is she doesn't need someone like Joker in her life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it feels a little out there. I like that he does it though. I- I'm giving it a thumbs up. Ooh. Um, Peacemaker. We haven't really talked about John Cena much. I think he rules in this movie. I think Peacemaker is actually quite a bit more interesting than I expected. Mm-hmm. Part of that is because Cena, I think, does a good job of where he, with his face alone, without saying a single thing, you can look at him and go, he doesn't fully believe in what he's doing. Like mm-hmm. he knows this is wrong, but he does it anyway. It's mm-hmm. interesting. He's got a show coming out in January on HBO Max. Are you a little more hyped after seeing the Suicide Squad? Absolutely. Even though, yeah. yeah, even though I was a little upset at the end, uh, I'm okay with it overall. I'm just that initial shock. I'm like, oh, he's alive. But I thought, like you said, I completely agree. I think Peacemaker was a great character. And also I have to say, John Cena going out on a limb with this character, that's really gutsy because this character is pretty despicable overall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not a good person. Um, props to John Murphy for a uh, killer film score. Woo. But like Gunn's previous movies, this features a crap ton of needle drops. Do you think it works better than the first Suicide Squad, which is just littered with song after song after song? And do you have a favorite one that Gunn uses? Yeah, I definitely think it works a lot better because it plays into the settings more. For example, whenever they're getting out of the van at the very end, leading into the third and final act, and they're walking into the rain and it's set to the Pixies song. Pixies, yeah, can't Um, go wrong with that. I love that because you have that on the radio and then it plays. And I love that fade too, where um, we end up having uh, Bloodsport walking out of the van and then we have this overexposure fade and then fade in with the characters walking in slowly up and doing that sequential. I love that also the bookend of the Suicide Squad that makes it, well, at least to the end of the movie. And then the first team suicide squad doing that walkout in the very beginning of the movie against the American flag. But my favorite though, it's not a song. It's part of the soundtrack and it's John Murphy's 
this is the famous Suicide Squad theme. I've been listening to that so freaking much. That and the uh, Rat Catcher theme is just really, really good. That's all. Because he had, he has some different sounds. One, a lot of this music sounds like a rock band just pieced it together. And then mm-hmm. he has like the Rat Catcher theme, which is more in line with what he usually does. I think you kind of nailed it. The The needle drops in this, for whatever reason, Gun is just more talented. It feels more natural to what we're watching. It doesn't feel as forced. Whole lot better. Uh, as we mentioned, this is movie number 10 in the DCEU. We're not going to rank all 10, but we will do our updated top three. I'm wondering, will the Suicide Squad be in yours? Let's start with numero three, the number three spot. What's yours? This is interesting because earlier I was looking at my list and all three of these movies are wildly different. And I know it may seem um, a little out there, maybe based on what I've said, Um So this may come off as a little bit of a surprise. But as of right now, number three goes to The Suicide Squad. My number three could be number two, Birds of Prey, a movie I absolutely love. So good. I love this one so much. Number two, this is a movie I have seen twice. And there's something that is almost like very innocent about it. And I just... I. I just really like it's a lot of fun and it totally surprised me whenever it came out and that's Shazam. Ooh. Yeah. Spoiler alert, Shazam is number 9 oh. on my list. <laughs> no, there's technically if you're counting the theatrical Justice League and Zack Snyder's, there's technically 11 movies. I should I should have pointed that out. I've already screwed this all up. That um, that almost was my number 3. As in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah. My number two, the OG, called Man of Steel. We're never going to get a sequel with uh, Henry Cavill, but good Lord, one every night I go to bed and I pray. Oh. I get down on my knees and I pray. All right, so what's your number one? I'm trying my to think what one. it would be. Yeah, my number one still, uh, it's been unshaken, and there's something to me that's just remarkable 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 geez i can't even speak <laughs> are you okay uh, apparently not i'm that i'm that stunned by it still uh just whenever it first came out and after seeing it again uh i just it it i feel like it holds up and it could be a classic and that's wonder woman oh wow yeah i just um, i really like it man I, I mean i like that one a lot too i have that at 8 uh, my Ooh. number one <laughs> is uh, it's 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 my second Zack Snyder. It's Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, the ultimate cut, I believe is what it's called. That's the best version. If you're curious, I have Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad at the four spot. Okay. You know, I really like Shazam a lot, um, but the villain in that, I, it just sinks the movie for me. There's, yeah. The villain sucks, but everything else is pretty great. And... It's set during Christmas time, which I adore. Ooh. Uh, out of curiosity, and we kind of talked about this. If uh, let's say we're we're let's we're at that the club scene in the Suicide Squad, we're just hanging out, we're drinking, and like a bar brawl breaks out. Which Suicide uh, Squad character do you want fighting by your side? Of those that are like recruited of the new Suicide Squad, or it could be... Because we we didn't really get a lot 
with the characters that basically all died in the beginning of this. But I, you know, I don't know if I could trust anyone else that wouldn't go after to like save their own skin, except for, I think, Harley Quinn. I'd have to take Harley Quinn after seeing that action scene of hers in this. She's very versatile. She's fast. She's agile. And um, she's, uh, she's rough and tumble. So I have to go with Harley. Do you think, and now if we're just going on pure violence, I think King Shark might be your best bet because you would just point at someone and go, nom nom. And he would just, <laughs> yeah. he would just murder somebody in like two and a half seconds. That's a good point, yeah. Uh, and everyone would freak out. They would see him and just start running. Any other stray thoughts? We didn't really talk about Rat Catcher. Uh, I didn't Ooh. mention her too much because on our Suicide Squad Q&A pod, I mentioned that I think she's going to rule, and she did. So mm-hmm. that wasn't surprising in any way. Uh, Polka Dot Man was a surprise because he he ruled. One thing I kind of don't like, he gets this amazing moment at the very end and then is promptly killed, <laughs> and it's done for comedy. I'm like, gosh, we just we can't a lot of times do something without having to just instantly have like crack a joke. So that was disappointing. <laughs> um and then just a random side note, this movie looks really good. Like there was only one or two shots that I thought looked a little funky, but like, holy smoke, Starro looked amazing. Like the yeah. special effects in this, it was $185 million well spent. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I There's something too that happens and it's this concrete dust that is just all over these characters at the end of the final act. And looks cool. It's like a yeah. Western or something. Yes. And I love that look. It looks so good. Um, from the basically, once the rain starts until the end of this movie, this may be my favorite final act of any DCEU film. I I had a ton of fun. And I kept hearing people say, Oh, this movie's bonkers, this is nuts. And the first time I saw it, I'm like, it's not that crazy. But the final, like the the final third of this film is is nuts. It's it's out there and it's insane. You mentioned as well, Rat Hit Rat Catcher too. She may have been my second favorite character. It's 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 really tough between her and Polka Dot Man. I do love the aspect of, you know, one thing you mentioned before about the stakes, uh, and it doesn't. This movie doesn't quite have the heart of the Guardians movies, but. You know, one thing I I thought that James Gunn carried over and he was able to separate the two pretty well is he retains this group of misfits, of outcasts being family members. And it is kind of, you know, jokes aside, very similar to the Fast and Furious franchise like that, where they form their own family. That I think is, is great. I really dig that. I like it. And it, I think, makes it more meaningful and impactful. Um and that's why at kind of the core of this movie, while I liked a lot about it, it's, I think, perfectly cast. I can't, I can't think of one person in here who shouldn't have been. Um, and yeah, it makes me, it makes me excited for the immediate sequel and Peacemaker, the TV show. Just got to see uh, Peacemaker and those whitey tidies again. Did you think his, like, I kept staring at his dong. I was like trying to figure it out. (laughs) Didn't you think it was weird? 
I got couldn't figure out what was what. <laughs> That's freaking CGI. Like, don't you? I, I just, I literally like stopped and was like, what? I don't understand what I'm looking at. They had, they had to have like, they did something to just like mess Somebody, with the audience. Something's had, not right. Right? I will say, Cena, his arms are have always kind of weirded me out, just their shape. Mm-hmm. But he looked pretty fit in this. He looked good. Yeah. So give him props for that. Like he's muscular, but I mean, it's just, I don't know. He's, it's, I can't describe it. It's just a very different bond. This was the summer of Cena, and I think he's just so much better in the Suicide Squad than yeah. Fast oh Night. yeah, I I do love the horror elements that Gunn really implements in the Suicide Squad, from the face hugger, alien type approach, down to that weird Wolfenstein laboratory setting. Um, those were some of my favorite elements of this movie. I mean, again, we don't need to go into the box office disappointment, but. I'm hoping WB is not gun shy of taking chances on these properties, letting directors do their own vision Mm. because that's something that's been hurting this whole universe from basically Zack Snyder on is just interfering with what directors want, whether it's good or bad. And uh, we, we finally get something where it's clearly a gun product and uh, the results in terms of money are not there. So mm-hmm. I'm just hoping they this just I mean they have to understand the the factors going into why something doesn't perform well. Yeah, I hope this the box office is not going to be an attraction at all because this shows a lot of potential. And that that's like as I was saying, I, I, I really hope and it's not just it being James Gunn's signature stamp and in, in the ways that he made it look, but it's just taking a risk on this and making them look different, sound different, not necessarily having to follow a certain formula. Although well, I've wanted to ask you, and I've saved it until now, but do you think, because I keep, uh, and it's hard whenever James Gunn has done two movies in the MCU and then he comes over to the DC universe and he creates a film do you think this is too Marvel? Did he borrow too much of the formula and, and bring that over from Marvel and implement it here? What do you think? I think this. I think this feels like its own thing in in so many ways, especially that hard R rating. Yeah, he went for it. <laughs> I like that we have to have a joke about the thinker, um, kind of insinuating that he wouldn't mind rats uh, venturing into his butthole which is a gag that I wondered if Stallone like went up to gun and was like, Hey, put that in there. And it's kind of like (laughs) the rumor he spread about Richard Gere a long time ago about him, I guess, having to go to the ER or something because he put a gerbil in his butt. (laughs) (laughs) Did we need, did we need something like that in this movie? No, I I don't. I think we probably could have kept that out. Yeah, I, I did not catch, I did not understand what he said the first time around, but I was listening to um, an interview and it caught me off guard because someone said it caught me off guard whenever there's insinuation in this movie about how a character wanted to rat up his butt. And I'm like, when did that happen? <laughs> it's real quick. It, 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 I mean, he doesn't, uh, I don't know. It's just stuff like that i'm like okay yeah that's right outside of the nightclub whenever they're trying to get him into the car um i also there's also kind of a loneliness and sadness that is attached to king shark 
that I think was probably some of the best parts of King Shark, you know, when we just see him looking so sad outside of the window and we see the reflection of the people kissing and uh, just King Shark looking at them and, and deep down, I'm like, maybe he's sad or maybe he's looking at them as nom nom. The nightclub scene is maybe the most enjoyable scene in this whole movie. I I watched that like two or three times. It's that's fun. Um, I think they're able to flaunt some of their personality. That seems very improv, a lot of that stuff. Um, And it makes me wonder if David uh, Dismalchen was really out there dancing like a maniac. I did not catch this the first time around, but the second time, whenever he's on the dance floor and he's dancing with all of his moms out there, How'd you not catch that? I don't <laughs> know. On that shot for like seven seconds. I don't know. I remember the the first time and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And they just lingering. I'm like, what in the world, James Gunn? Come on. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. They do that joke at least like six times. Yeah. Uh, which which was your favorite mom part of, of his when he sees his mom? Probably when Idris Elba like points to Starro and he's like, that's your mom. And we just see like feet and arms (laughs) swinging as she's just like destroying a building. Overall, it was was very enjoyable, very fun to watch. Um, Probably the best audience reaction so far this year comes from the guy who blurted out WTF. I was a little disappointed this movie is rated R for a number of things, including graphic nudity, which usually means someone hangs dong, which Mm -hmm. happens in this movie. But (laughs) the dude hangs dong for like a second and a half. I'm like, that warranted a graphic nudity warning? Yeah. If you're going to do it, let me see some full-on dong for like 10 seconds. I, You know, I kept hearing that before going into this movie. I'm like, I bet you anything we see King Shark like Dr. Manhattan. And watch. Yeah, that's what I thought it was going to be too. And when there's no King Shark, I'm like, and then that's when we see it in the camp. I'm like, there's got to be more than that. And then yeah. by the end of the movie, that's it. I'm like, oh, I kept waiting for Peacemakers, like shorts end up falling down. And then we would end up seeing John Cena. Those are all of my of, thoughts. We're talking uh, about a lot of dong right now. Yeah, we are. Do you, anything else that you've got about this movie? No, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, film fans out there, hopefully you will join us next week when we talk about the entire Boss Baby series on Netflix. And until next time, keep watching. Keep watching.